0: Too many Tic Tacs in the town. Sportlandia 234, Sportlandia, not Golflandia, formerly named podcast Golflandia. We are at episode 234, powered by Run Pure Sports, Run Pure Sports. We build winners, code NFL15. I think that's the code, NFL15 right now. I run the thing, I should know that. So when we started thinking about a podcast I could do again, because golf was a little niche. Um, It is not golf season anymore. And there really is not a ton to talk about week to week on golf. And frankly, I think the sports, despite the grow the game uh, constructs out there in terms of branding, I think it may be contracting a little bit. And honestly, with this new leadership role at Run Pure Sports, my love of business, you know, I have an ad agency. I like talking about brands. I like talking about business. And I like sports. So the intersection of those two made sense as a podcast that would give more material, more interviews, and more variety week to week versus, you know, a sport, a niche sport. And hence Sportlandia. So here we are, episode 234. We've done 234 podcasts over the last six years. Multiple horse podcasts, Horselandia. But all that will fit in under this umbrella. So whatever we want to talk about week to week in terms of the, the again, the intersection of business and sports, we're here. First guest, first guest, uh, a killer on Twitter. A powerhouse in the gaming industry, the inimitable Jeffrey Benson, director of operations at Circus Sports in Las Vegas. All right, Jeffrey Benson, you, you know what's funny? Because uh, you had a tweet earlier this week. We had this podcast set up for a bit, and then uh, I realized that you may be leaving Circus Sports. I, I didn't even fall for the tweet. I fell for the tweet. Like, I thought you were actually leaving, but it was a bit, right?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I. Uh, it's really amazing. You know, when you put one of five in quotations at the end of your first tweet, it's amazing how many people don't read two, three, four, and five. Um, but I am an asshole, and I did perfectly curate the tweet so that those who did not read two, three, four, and five uh, were left wondering whether I was still employed or not. Um, so there was nothing that you could gain from the first tweet uh, that provided any context that it was sarcasm or a joke, uh, which is how exactly how I crafted it. Uh, funny story for the listeners. I got a call on Monday morning from our chief compliance officer, and she said, I just wanted to check whether you're still with the company or not.
0: Well, give the context of the tweet though. Give the context of the tweet though, right? I mean, because you you had smashed Mets futures betters all year long. Yeah,
1: I mean, we uh, we had obviously we're known for having some of the best futures in the world. Um, You know, as we'll probably get to later in this conversation. You know, we certainly take positions and, and stands on things. You know, we're a market maker in the sense that a lot of times we go up first. You know, maybe some of the softer recreational books, you know, copy us, things like that. Um, but we feel comfortable with the numbers that we hang on the board. And, you know, if DraftKings has, you know, 500 to one on something and we have 2000 to one, that doesn't mean just because we're off market that our price is wrong. Um, but so long I, and
0: short, long and short, you were trolling Mets fans.
1: Yeah. Well, not even Mets fans. I have nothing. I I love Mets fans. Um, I have (laughs) nothing against Mets fans. Uh, You know, what I have a problem with is people who want to insinuate that the numbers we were hanging were so abhorrent that I needed to find another job and that the numbers that we were hanging were so bad relative to market air quotes being soft recreational sports books. I had a problem with people who run paid discords, trolling me for two months, uh, about our prices being wrong. Um, and then, obviously, you know when the Mets were eliminated from the playoffs, um, and they never really had a chance. Uh, and our prices were right, and you know the, the the Mets odds continue to worsen and worsen and worsen as they sold off their pieces at the deadline. Um, you know, I took that as an opportunity to to troll back and and take a few shots and do it in a playful manner. And yeah, it was it was a good oh. time. Um, I just
0: I just want to be clear that Rumpier Sports is definitely not a Jeffrey Benson trolling territory.
1: So, <laughs> I'll uh, I'll try to steer clear of that.
0: Yes, yes. So we never had any problem with you. No, um,
1: like I said, it was just you know there was one specific individual point sucks who had who took umbrage with you know the prices we were hanging and you know I, I think you know you've been in the social media game for a long time you know you see how time. people talk and. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of people who, you know, tweet about said edges, but they're not really betting said edges. Um, so I had a
0: tweet, I had a tweet about that today, you know, in in terms of the business aspect of what I'm doing with RPS, right? Because a lot of people weigh in, in terms of what they believe was the history or what I do or do not know in business. And I, I'm on your, I'm on that side now of yours to think that there's a lot of, things people don't understand or know. And I will clap back. I mean, I can get pretty fucking mean sometimes. And so can you. And, but in a, in a, in a playful sort of way. Yeah. I don't and,
1: I, I don't get mean just to get mean. I do it in a playful manner. And you know, my response is just fucking bad. Um, you know, if the yeah. lines were that bad and you were actually printing money, the last thing that you'd be doing is trolling me on social media. You know, if you what had, you- such a, if you had such a big edge, um, you know, you'd be going, you know, your, your whole goal would be to go about getting down as much money as possible um, and doing so as quietly as possible. So, you know, if your edge is that big, you know, going on Twitter or going in a discord and, um, you know, giving away that edge while simultaneously not really betting it, you know, those two things don't add up to me
0: what what is circa I mean for the audience that just may be tuning in to learn about sports sports business business of sports this is my first foray into switching the golf landia format and audience into just more broadly sports landia and a lane that I'm more comfortable in with business so what is circa and what do you do at circa
1: yeah it's a great question um you know for those who don't follow me on on Twitter you know I'm the director of operations here at circa sports uh Circa in general, I think it's a, it's a, one of two things, um, to Circa, uh, and Derek Stevens, you know, that's Derek Stevens, our, our CEO and owner Circa is the, uh, first brand new casino that was built in downtown Las Vegas, uh, in the last 40, 45 years. Um, it's a billion dollar property and it's something that's really helped to, um, you know, Raise kind of what downtown Las Vegas was before Circa. Um, you know, it's a strip esque casino that's been in downtown Las Vegas here for four years. Um, and in conjunction with uh, Circa, Derek Stevens also owns uh, the Golden Gate and the D. So between those three hotels, you know, that really encapsulates our downtown properties. Uh, And then we have some, you know, offshoot uh, satellite uh, books that we run as well. Uh, But that gets to the question of what that is. What is Circa? Circa Sports uh, is the sports book that operates under that brand. Um, You know, we operate in Nevada. We have six retail properties here in Nevada, uh, the D, the Golden Gate, Circa, the Tuscany, the Pass, and Legends Bay up in Reno. And then, obviously, we operate online in Colorado, Iowa. And then, hopefully, later this week, uh, knock on wood, hopefully everything goes well. We'll be up in a retail and mobile setting uh, in Illinois as well. So, that'll be four states in about four and a half years of operation. So, Circa Sports is a sports book. It's a different kind of brand than, you know, maybe what you see in the industry. I think a lot of people, you know, rightfully so, you know, whether they play daily fantasy sports or whether they bet, you know, sports, uh, you know, they're akin to things like MGM and Caesars and DraftKings and FanDuel and maybe some of the bigger players in the in the industry that, you know, appeal to maybe more of a recreational customer base in the sense that you can bet lower limits uh, meaning dollar amounts, while also being able to bet a much wider, larger menu uh, in which you can bet every prop. You know this side of the Mississippi. Um, you know player props in games, this, that, and the other. You name it, you can bet it. Whereas what we do at Circus Sports, it's it's a little bit different. It's kind of the inverse. Uh, so we don't have as deep of a menu, but we have much higher limits. So what we're trying to do, and and where we're trying to kind of carve out our niche within the industry is, you know, maybe people like yourself, uh, you know, professionals, you know, rec plus betters, you know, want to be professionals, whatever it may be, you know, we hang more of a meat and potatoes menu, um, you know, meaning maybe less props, less in game than what you would see at some of these other books. But what you get here at Circus Sports is better prices, uh, better limits, and that's really kind of what our calling card is in terms of what circus sports is and how we differentiate ourselves within the industry, you know, versus a lot of these other cookie cutter books. You know, it, it's a new name, it's a, it's a new company each and every day and they're all trying to do the same thing.
0: Um, well, the brand is the brand is fantastic, right? And yeah. I, and I'll get to this in a minute, but you know, I credit you a lot of it being a good authenticator for the brand. And in this day and age, when people are very savvy in terms of the brands they choose, authenticating it in the social media marketplace, but not just putting out corporate ass tweets. Cause if you look at your competitors or if you look at if, if a cross section of, of other verticals in business and their tweets and their traffic, it's literally nothing. The it's, second, it's literally the, nothing.
1: It's all the same. It's yes. all politically correct. It's and white there, noise. It's white. And noise. There, and there's no, I, I look at a lot of these places and they're all nameless, faceless, big, safe. Conglomerate, safe, safe corporations, whereas, you know, what we're trying to do is, you know, maybe toe the line a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. But what we do is we're we're transparent. We're organic. We just like to have fun. Um, and, and I think that resonates with the people on Twitter Um and, And the people who are ultimately able to say, you know, I want to go to Circa because, you know, I want to hang out and have a beer at the bar with with Derek or, you know, I want to go watch a game, you know, up at Stadium Swim in the world's largest outdoor amphitheater. Um, Or, you know, I want to shoot the shit at the counter, you know, with Jeff Benson, you know, when he's he's opening college football numbers on, on, on a Sunday. You know, I think things like that you know, you don't see in the marketplace and they aren't commonplace. And I, I think that's helped us to, to really establish and build our brand um, and ultimately have us resonate, you know, with other people. You know, I think in any business, having somebody that you can point to or look at um, or go to with questions and people who are responsive, it just it doesn't happen. Um, you know, it, if you need something at a FanDuel or DraftKings, like I don't know who to talk to. Um, but if you need something at circus sports, you damn sure that I'm going to be on the line or going to be, be responsive to you on Twitter. So I think that's kind of, you know, the differentiator between what we're doing and maybe some of these other bigger brands. And, you know, I think that's the value proposition we bring to the market today.
0: What, where did you, where did you come from? Where were you born? How did you start? Yeah. It's what, a great ho- question. what hospital were you born in?
1: <laughs> well, I was born on the East coast, uh, in, in DC, uh, you know, Grew up in Maryland and then uh, basically lived in Virginia my whole life. Obviously, you know, growing up, you know, sports betting, sports gambling wasn't legal. Um, It was really taboo. And, you know, my parents aren't sports gamblers. Um, You know, they don't like risk. You know, I didn't really learn a lot of this stuff until I came out here. So obviously growing up on the East Coast, you know, played sports, followed sports my whole life. I was big into things like that. And then when I, you know, went to, I I more or less went to college for them, you know, graduated with a communications degree with a double minor in business management and leadership studies. You know, that was totally for my parents. So they could, they could sell that to their, you know, their friends who were (laughs) were doctors and and lawyers and things like that.
0: Jeffrey's Uh, a good boy. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I was, I was a good boy for, for that. <laughs> uh, but always knew, always knew I wanted to to come out to uh, you know Vegas because that was really the only place you know at the time that was legal in 2012 when I graduated. Um, you know, a few years prior to graduating, I came out here for my 21st birthday uh, with my dad. You know, we came out for March Madness. You know, over my spring break. You know, had a fantastic time. They were hoping I got crushed. You know, because they didn't want me to pursue Vegas and in, in this dream after college, but. Yeah, graduated college, uh, you know, basically drove cross country w- with my dad, no job, no place to live, no nothing, um, you know, came out here to pursue my dream, you know, probably gambled for about six months, learned everything not to do, um, and then decided uh, I obviously wanted to get on this side of the counter and kind of, you know, figure out how to increase that education process within the industry, um, you know, learn what it, what it's like to be on this side of the counter and really start to work my way up. So that was kind of how things started in terms of growing up and ultimately making my way across country after college and, and kind of dipping my toes into the industry. Uh, you know, been in the industry 12 or 13 years now and, uh, certainly learned a lot from day one to where I'm at today and certainly have a long ways to go and, and, what what seems to be an ever evolving industry and landscape?
0: Were were you at the Hilton first, or some no. hotel?
1: No. So our our former director Matt Metcalf uh, he used to he used to work at uh, the Hilton. That's kind of where he cut his teeth a little bit. And uh, our now sports book director Chris Bennett they work together at the Hilton. So we do have a little bit of Hilton you know slash Westgate lineage um, in terms of the people you know, who helped start Circa Sports. Uh, but for me, I uh, I got in the business as a ticket writer at Palace Station. That's typically what most people do. You know, it's an entry-level job. You know, you're on the front lines dealing with customers, writing tickets, you know, getting paid to watch sports. It's a good gig, and I think it teaches you a lot about how to deal with the public, you know, what not to do, and, um, you know, gets you ready, you know, to – work your way into the risk room for those guys, you know, for me to, to be the director of operations, things like that. Um, so obviously he wrote tickets for five years, was a supervisor for, you know, two or three years over there. And as I alluded to, you know, I had met Matt, you know, I didn't know who he was, you know, what his place in the industry was or anything like that. Um, you know, and that's, you know, for somebody like yourself, who's been in business a long time, it's, it's a good lesson that you never know who you're going to meet. or or the people that are ultimately going to open up the doors for you. So, you know, he liked, loved the customer service that I provided to him, you know, when he would come in and bet with, with me at Palace station. And, you know, he, he enjoyed, you know, my approach, you know, on the front line in terms of dealing with, with customers and things of that nature. So ultimately it was something where, when, you know, Derek reached out to him and gave him an opportunity to be the sports book director and start and run circus sports, you know, he asked me to come along and, you know, be the be the sports book operations manager and really oversee things in the front of house. Um, And, you know, I was quick to take him up on that opportunity. And I was one of the five people that helped start Circus Sports. And now I'm the director of operations and and really overseeing everything, uh, you know, along with Chris in terms of the day to day of our business.
0: You know it's fun, it, it, and you, it's well deserved. By the way, obviously, thank you. Um, and they're very lucky to have you. And the, the uh, what do you think that what do you think the tipping point for? Because the U.S. in you know, the last twenty years was a even even leagues were a bunch of Puritans about sports betting. Right? They didn't they, they didn't want to integrate in sports. You know, we don't want to talk about betting. And then all of a sudden, overnight, PGA, NFL, everyone. It's it's it com- it comprises their entire content. Now, every state's becoming legal. Kentucky just became legal as of Thursday. And so there's this huge land rush, as you know, to gain players, especially players who spend. What what do you think changed all of a sudden? Do you think it was the do you think it was the networks and, and these leagues realizing, holy shit, the only reason why most of these people watch sports is because of gambling. Yeah.
1: Well, man, kidding. It, it all boils down to money and you know i think at the end of the day you know it's naive for these leagues you know to to look at what these sports books are doing and you know i i think there's a world where everybody can help everybody uh, that's not to say that currently you know how things are set up and and designed is is perfect because i don't think it is you know i think some of the stances that these sports books takes are you know, take uh, is extremely rich. You know, I think some of the stances that the leagues take are extremely rich. And, you know, I think it's, it's a total money grab at this point. And the legalized, you know, I think it's, it's, it's easy to forget that the goal of the legalization was to kind of take things from being in the back alley and underground to, to being prominent and in the spotlight. And a large part of doing so was to bring, you know, all that money that was going offshore, you know, back into the regulated market. And it's just, it's frustrating and it's sad to see. And, you know, I don't say this just because I work for Circa Sports, but it's just, you know, watching so many of these operators just trip over themselves left and right. And admittedly not running their business the way that, I would like them to, or I think they should, Um, you know, it's frustrating from, from the perspective that I don't think they value their customers. I don't think they treat them well. I think they price gouge them into oblivion. I think they limit them. And I just think there's so many things that are being done in the industry now. It's like we tried to legalize, but a lot of the things that the leagues are doing um, in terms of, you know, what the leagues are asking from sports books in terms of paying for data and all you know, all this different stuff. And then subsequently what, you know, the sports books are doing to betters in terms of limiting them, um, you know, price gouging them in terms of the splits they offer, things like that. It just all of those kind of decisions, you know, made from a lot of people that may or may not have, you know, know and understand how (laughs) this industry works. You know, all of that stuff just continues to drive money, you know, offshore um, and is really kind of, hindering you know the whole purpose of what having legalized wagering in the in, in you know within the country was so you know i think the tipping point yeah, but
0: the thing hard. is what, the thing is what i respect about you is that you and i operate in the same way in that we're very transparent we're not afraid to stand up for what we believe in on twitter um but we also you have to focus on your own business and what you do best. I get really frustrated with a lot of things. I've, I've, I've tried to stop doing that so much. And my mandate at run sports has been, we can only focus on the, what we can do best. I can't, I can't stop people from gambling, right? They're always going to be looking for edges or information or data. What we can do is provide them the best opportunity to have the best tools, the best people around them for conversation. and And like you said, a place to hang out these guys want to watch sports and talk about gambling we can't you're not going to prevent people being on the other side of the desk now from gambling but you know you can provide them the best experience they have and that is your only focus at circa right i mean to do that that's all you can do um yeah. and do it authentically
1: a hundred percent you know i think a lot of people you know say what are you guys doing differently you know I don't think we're really reinventing the wheel. I mean, I think, you know, the difference of of what we're doing is, you know, there's names and faces to the people that run our organization and, and, and our business. And, you know, I think when you look at the top, you know, that's our CEO and owner, Derek Stevens. You know, he's somebody who's on the floor every single day. You know, he's somebody who's at the end of the bar every Friday night. You know, he's having a beer with the boys. He's shooting the shit with the guys, you know, he's in here Saturday morning watching his Michigan Wolverines and, and rooting with everybody else in the sports book. Or he's up, you know, at Stadium Swim on a Sunday cheering on his Lions. So, you know, between him and, and, and Mike Palm and, you know, Chris Bennett, who's our sports book director, and Matt Metcalf, who used to be our former sports book director, and, and myself, we just try to. Be names and faces, you know, that people can recognize and and, and ultimately relate to, um, and I think we just try to put our customer first. You know, I think we have a very customer service centric focus, yeah. in which, you know, a lot of times I walk into a sports book, and you know, admittedly, I'm not maybe a the, the, the target player or, you know, the guy who's going to be betting twenty dollars, but. You know, the experience that I want in the sports book and the way that I want to be treated, you know, that's ultimately how we try to treat our players. Um and I think that's just, you know, something that's, you know, missing within the industry. And you know, I'm I'm liking every positive or negative comment said about myself in circus sports, you know, on Twitter. I'm responding to every DM, I'm responding to every mention.
0: So same, um,
1: same. Yeah, I, I think I think that's something that's lost in, in, in today's world and today's businesses. You know, I think people want to ask questions, they want answers, and they want to hear it from the top. Um, and they don't want this, you know, PC bullshit that's kind of spoon fed, you know, beating around the bush, being evasive. It's just, you know, we, we tell it like it is. And, you know, there's a lot of people that like that. And quite frankly, there's probably plenty more that, that don't. So, you know, I have a lot of people that love me. Probably more people that hate me, um, but at the end of the you're day,
0: consistent. Like, like you're consistent, right? So I know 100%. my core values. And, and, my, and my, mission is, my mission is my mission's clear, and you know I can I can wake up every morning and say this is everything that I say is going to align. A
1: hundred percent. And that, the the word you use, consistency, is such a great word because you know that's really the values that you know Matt instilled when we built Circus Sports. We're consistent in every single thing that we do. We're consistent in the decisions we make. Uh, You know, we're consistent in how we uh, adhere to our house rules. We're consistent in when we hang our NFL lines. We're consistent when, when, when we bump our college football limits. We're consistent with how we treat our customers. We're consistent with when we do refunds, which is never. We're consistent in every single solitary thing we do. And we believe by being consistent, that customers know exactly what they're getting when they play with circus sports. And mm-hmm. there's no delineation in that. Um, and I, it's I, how you I, build I, a
0: successful, it's how you build a successful business. If yeah. everyone is, tra- if everyone's, tra- if everyone's traveling on the same road for the same mission, every business decision makes sense. Who are you? Right. I mean, you've already answered that question, but that's the first thing I say when a company comes to me and says, Oh, well, I need, I need some help with my brand. Well, who are you? Does it take you three hours to tell me? Then you got a problem.
1: I mean, if Jeff you can't,
0: can, if, if you, you can't, can't do say it in
1: three minutes, it. you've got a problem.
0: Yes, yes. Who are you? Why are you the way you are? What are your values? And then everything else will make sense, top to bottom, at your business. You know, it's funny. You, you we, we go back to go back to the content side in terms of like the NFL, you know, their leagues realizing, holy shit, we've got to do something about this betting thing, because because. And this is a very good thing I learned, I think it was from a podcast, um, about content, right? This is not 1986 anymore, although some leagues still treat it as it is, golf in particular, um, when you had three channels and three primetime shows. You're now competing in the content space, not only against other sports and other live content, you're competing against a library of content of everything ever produced, ever ever, anything. And a lot of these leagues, and I and I listened to some podcasts with some of these old, you know, Letterman types, Conor Bryan types, uh, talking about how it used to be. Well, yeah, it used to be that way because there's always been a demand for content. There's been a demand for content since people were sitting on a New York Harbor watching Harry Houdini do magic tricks. There's always been a demand for that. But you guys... The old guard, ABC football, whatever, Monday Night Football, you were in front of the keyhole of light of content that the people, everyone wanted to peek through. And that changed. That changed. Now you can watch any sport. You can watch anything that's ever produced, ever produced. And now you've got healthy competition. So you've really got to speak to your customers who are betters, right? I mean, would you watch a PGA tournament on Thursday? In the circus sports book, if you're not sweating it, the, like at Silverado, no, no, and I think they finally realized that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a great point because for so long, and this, you know, really applies to any industry. I think people approach things and say, "Oh, well, that's the way we've always done it." You know, oh, that you know that's how we've always approached this. Well, that, that, that's just so short sighted in the way that you think, because it doesn't allow you to build and grow and monetize with how people in its current form want to view and, or do things. And so I think, you know, as I equate that to the sports betting industry, you're never going to be able to outdo a DraftKings or a FanDuel. You're just not. They have better tech than you. They have more money than you. And so it's interesting to me and kind of head-scratching when I see – Well, also
0: you know, also with DraftKings, I don't want to lose your point, but with DraftKings and FanDuel is that the daily fantasy sports space has allowed for constant – community and conversation about sports on a daily and hourly and by game level versus the I bet Nebraska they lost daily fantasy sports with the intricacies of data and everything that's going on in terms of lineup building there's been a subcult community that's really helped build their companies whether they know it or not whether they've appreciated it or not but that's what's helped build them
1: yeah I mean you know just getting back to what I was saying I I think there's there's so you know they're doing things so well uh, and I think you have just some of these smaller players that come into the industry and they try to take the same approach just because because that's the way it's always been done you know that that that's that's the only way to do it that because that's the only way it's been done and i I think for us you know we're one of the only sharp books in the industry uh, in terms of the regulated onshore industry. And are we doing it to be different, just to be different? No, we're doing it because we believe that it's the most profitable way to run a sports book. But I just think the old adage of, you know, in any business, you know, people just saying, well, that's the way it's always been done. is just such the wrong way to look at it. Um, And it really, you know, caps, um, you know, the growth of the business, you know, in my mind.
0: What's your average day like? You wake up Jeffrey Benson. You rub your eyes. You grab a coffee. What do you do next at Circus? Well,
1: place? no coffee because it'll stunt my growth. I'm, I'm I'm still hoping I got a few more inches in me that that might get <laughs> me for the, the six foot plateau. But that's that's. Do you wear a tux a every
0: point. day. I, do you wear a tux every day?
1: No, I.
0: Uh, you I should start- for the bit. Your Twitter your Twitter handle has you in a tux. So everyone's Twitter handle, I always envision that's what you always look like. If, I think you should do it for the bit.
1: It's funny because that was, that was the picture that, uh, I took in the book, uh, for our black tie event when we opened circa. But I've, I've long given up my, uh, my dry cleaning days. I don't get dressed up anymore. I'm a, I'm a jeans and a golf polo kind of guy or jeans and a golf pullover guy. So for me, Got it's me. very casual. Um, I'm, I'm dressing for the job I want, uh, <laughs> which. So as opposed to the job I need. So, yeah, I don't I don't really dress up anymore. But, yeah, an average day, I I'm not going to lie when I when I wake up, you know, the first thing I, I do is check Twitter, you know, see if I got any DMs or, you know, how many notifications I got from, you know, angry people from something I tweeted right before I went to bed. Um, But, yeah, I mean, for me, it's it's a 24-7, 365 job. I mean, you know. In the casino business, you know, and in the sports betting business, you know, there's no holidays, there's no off days. You know, Damian Lillard could be traded, you know, at at nine thirty on a Wednesday morning. You know, a month and a half before you know basketball starts, and, and, and things happen. So for me, I'm you've working. Got, you've got to move
0: Milwaukee lines. <laughs>
1: exactly. Uh, you know, for me, I'm working every day, every hour. Um, you know, I've got a ton of tweet notifications turned on, you know, whether I'm doing injury and information stuff and helping the guys in the risk room, um, you know, whether I'm in meetings about the hotel and casino, uh, you know, whether it's, I'm getting on a plane tomorrow and, and, and traveling to Illinois so that we can hopefully open this weekend. I, I, you know, I, my hands touch, you know, so many different aspects of our business. So it's, uh, you know, my, my day is, is, different each and every day, which is, you know, a large part of why I like the job, because it presents me a new challenge every day, um, you know, a new jurisdiction, you know, a new customer, you know, a new problem to address, you know, and just figuring out ways to be creative and organic and, you know, market ourselves to the the industry and and to people who don't know what circus sports is and, and ultimately what we're about. So, Yeah. I mean, I'm in the office five plus days a week. Um, You know, when I'm not in the office, I'm certainly working from home, but uh, you know, if if for people who are listening to this and want to get into the business, it's, you know, it's a business that you, you really have to give up a lot of, (laughs) you know, a large part of your other life. Um, You know, I'm not going out and partying every weekend. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in the book uh, you know, dealing with customers, dealing with problems running, you know, $14 million football contests, you know, things of that nature. So it's a it's a very challenging uh, yet rewarding job. And, you know, I would say my day to day is different every single day, uh, you know, based on those reasons.
0: What you know, you mentioned the $14 million football contest. Yeah, your survivor growth has been remarkable, right? It's almost 2x per year in terms of you know, where I started playing in it to where it is now 9.2 million just in the survivor pool, which I think 73% people are out now. like huge. Yeah,
1: year, year one was 1300. Year two was 4,000. Year three was 6,000. And this year we had 9,267 entries. Uh, and how many covered, are left, Jeffrey, a little, little over 2,400. Um, Absolute carnage last week, but you know, for those listeners, you know, nine point two six seven million is going to be paid out in the survivor pool. It'll be the largest payout in football contest history, and you know, the thing that we're proud about is that we don't take a rake. Um, One hundred percent of the you know one hundred percent of the payback and the prize pool goes to the players, and you know, it's 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 cool to be you know a part of helping to run the world's largest football contest, and you know, I think that's really helped also legitimize our brand.
0: Yeah. How, how big has that been for your brand? Clearly. I
1: mean, I mean, it's huge. I, I mean, you know, when you, when you talk about, you know, the, the Chris moneymaker effect and, you know, somebody winning the world series of poker and, you know, winning seven, possibly eight figures, you know, I, I think there's a world where in five or 10 years, you know, we could have a survivor contest that, you know, has 25, to 50 million in in terms of payout and, you know, any, I I think for the contest, you know, it's really helped get eyes, you know, both on our hotel and casino business in addition to our sports book business and, you know, getting people in the property, you know, getting to meet with customers only helps to grow our business and, you know, hopefully make us more successful down the road.
0: Yeah. I think if the proxy rule ever was, was abolished, you'd have it right now. Um, probably, um, it's still, it's still a mystery to me that some of these people don't submit picks. What, what is the reason for that? Let me have 32 week one or something like that. You had eight last week. Is it just people who sleep in?
1: Oh, if I, <laughs> if I had the answer to this, uh, I I'd be a million dollar man. I mean, it's just every <laughs> single week. I just, I have to have the same. Old, tired, difficult conversations, and in, in which ultimately I end up getting motherfucked for somebody. Oh, else. because they
0: they it, come at you and say, "Why did I get my pick in?" Or what do they do?
1: No, they're like, uh, you know, can you extend the deadline for me? And I'm like, oh, the other 900, you know, 2,066 players got their pick in, but you were the only one that didn't. It, it's just, you know, people don't. People simply don't read the rules, and whether you're in sports betting or whether you're in DFS, there's a lot of dead money because people simply don't take the time to read the rules for the market they're betting into or the contest they're playing. That's right. They, <laughs> I, or I the mean,
0: Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, Christmas, two game slate. I, oh. I
1: was, I was mentioning that on visa and we were, we were talking about, Oh, we were surprised how many people had the chiefs last week. Yep. And, and I simply just made an offhand comment. I wonder if people took the chiefs last week, or more people took the Chiefs than they would have otherwise because they simply don't even know yet that you have to, that you have to pick a game on Thanksgiving slash black Friday or Christmas. If you get that far and then our contest is 20 weeks, as opposed to the 18 week traditional survivor format
0: that I you see know. out
1: there in the market. It's just, like I said, you know, you're, you guys run in the DFS realm, and I, I just think there's so many people that, are just punting off money and punting off entries because they simply just don't understand the rules of the contest they're playing. What,
0: what, what, what was, has there been a big miss or liability that you've experienced that you're like, fuck, we just lost a ton of money tonight? Or do you want to even, do you, do you want to even go there? It's just kind of an interesting anecdote. Yeah. I mean,
1: I think for us, obviously, we, we take, you know, certain stands, um, you know, because we're confident in our numbers and, you know, there's going to be times where you win big uh, and then obviously there's going to be times where <laughs> you lose big. And you know, I think for us, obviously, from a future pool perspective, you know, this year hasn't been great. Uh, you know, when you look at uh, the Super Bowl, you know, we took a uh, pretty big bet before the season started last year uh, at 10 to 1 on the Chiefs. You know, at the time, there was some 12 to 1 out there in the market uh, and we had been sitting at 10 to 1 for a while and really had no bites. Uh, we had a guy walk in and, you know, ask for for a large wager, you know, that paid more than seven figures. And, you know, we, we were happy to write the bet in a, uh, you know, what we thought was a, a very efficient, you know, NFL market and, and Super Bowl future and that we had all season to work with it. And, you know, ultimately the Chiefs got there. So that was probably the, the biggest loss that we've ever had.
0: Oh, that was last year. I think this year. Okay. Yeah, last
1: year. That was probably okay. the biggest loss. Um, you know that we ever had from a one singular game um, you know perspective um obviously you know most of Vegas got hurt this year uh, when um, when the when Vgk went on their run to win the cup um that was probably you know our, one of probably our second worst result that we've ever had from a uh, you know a future perspective but you know I think for us you know we take big bets and ultimately, you know, you're going to have some days where you, where you win very big. And, you know, ultimately, you're going to have some days where you lose very big. But, you know, fortunately, we got a CEO and an owner who understands the business and understands our low hold, high volume model. And, you know, for us, we just want to write, write, and then ultimately write some more. And, you know, the lights are always going to come on, you know, the next day, you know, you're going to figure out, you know, what you could have done differently. And, and ultimately, I think a lot of times... You know, when you lose, you know, that really helps you get better over the long run and and figure out, you know, where your shortcomings were um, and ultimately how you can get better moving forward. Uh, So that's kind of how we look at it. You know, I know at, you know, maybe some other places, you know, they want to see a smooth theoretical glide path and, you know, we we need you to hold 10% every single month and, you know, how could you lose on an NFL Sunday and things like that. You know the people who run those organizations are probably people who've never made bets before, um, and they don't really understand you know variance, and, and ultimately how things work in the gambling business. You know because they're accustomed to you know what they're seeing on the tables um, or the hold from their slot machines, and, and when you're in the sports betting business and you know you're taking bets, particularly in our case from everybody in the world, whether that's your dad to Billy Walters and everybody in between that spectrum, you know, you're going to have a lot of sharp guys who are betting into your numbers uh, and you're going to have some good days and you're going to have some bad days. But the more you can focus on, on process over results and just writing bets and and letting the chips fall where they may, you know, that's, that's the way we see uh, is the best in terms of growing our business we just want to write, write, and write some more and, you know, it's, it's okay for people to come in and win. And then if you have, you know, people in our risk room, you know, who are very talented, you know, then you can, then you can ultimately utilize that winning information to make your line sharper, um, and help grow your business, which is kind I of sh- the approach we have.
0: I should have said my dad is Billy Walters. And yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, and I don't want to help you with content, but when you said your, when you, when you said your biggest loss, you should have said your biggest win ever was on Mets futures (laughs) betters. Just to drive the nail in the coffin. Um, I want to say, I want to say as we wrap up here, listen, as you mentioned before and what, what, why I like following you on Twitter as someone in who really gets how a business should be run. appropriately. And I think you've got a good culture around you. You've given a personality and culture to this company. Uh, and I think you're aware of that, but I think that you are very important to the brand of Circa and where it's going in the future. And, and it seems like your leadership identifies that, understands that. Yeah, I mean, you're a powerhouse and uh, you keep doing what you're doing. And you know, I really appreciate you coming on here on the first iteration of this podcast uh, to talk to me absolutely thank you for joining me.